And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. There are many, many ways to build revenue, to build growth, to create relationships at and around your business. And one of the more popular ways to do that is through partnerships. Now, on the surface, this sounds easy. In reality, it is not. Why? Because there's a whole lot of people you can partner with, some better than others. There's a whole lot of different stuff to consider, to look out for all of that. So in order to make your life easier, we're going to talk about that today. And before I introduce my guests, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I've got Mark Bregman. And Mark is the CEO of Partnernomics. You can find a link to Partnernomics.com in the show notes. It is an amazing name for and also the name of today's episode, so much to talk about. Now, Mark's an author, a speaker, and a founder. He's done a lot of different stuff. And before we get into letting him tell us about that, Mark, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about uh, the partnernomics. And you know, I often say no one tells a story better than the founder themselves. So let me just go ahead and ask, what's your backstory? So I guess the, the backstory, I'm, I'm going to go back a little ways, but be quick with it. But uh, my, I'm, I'm the product of two lifelong business owners. And uh, so I was probably literally in high school before I realized that most people work for somebody else because most of my parents were self-employed and I got to see them grow their businesses um, as, I grew, as I grew up. So I knew that uh, eventually I was going to own my own business. But um, you know, I went to college, went to University of Central Missouri took my first class in economics and absolutely fell in love. And uh, six years later, I got a bachelor's and master's in econ. Um, I started my career at Sprint, like a lot of other people in, uh, in Kansas City, and was really lucky to find this world of strategic partnering and biz dev uh, very early in my career and had the opportunity to make these crazy smartphones, do all the things that they do today. And uh, it, was a, it was a really cool experience to learn the art and science of of partnering. So, well, let, let's, you know, as I mentioned on the, in the intro to the show, I mean, partnership can come in, in a lot of different forms. I mean, partnership to many people is the relationship you have with who you own your business or your enterprise with. So maybe we could start by defining the difference between that type of partnership and the partnership kind of type of partnership that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's a great place to start. And uh, even when I talk with partnering professionals that have been doing this partnering thing for decades, this is where we start. And so the way that I describe it is partnering falls on a continuum. And on one side, we have what we call very transactional partnerships. And that's sales, procurement, supply chain management, uh, vendor management, those sorts of things, where it's more kind of commodity based. There's not a lot of differentiation and it can be kind of very fast cycle, right? And on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have partnerships or relationships that are put together that include a lot of innovation, uh, a lot of risk. There's not a script, there's not a recipe. We're trying to create that paradigm shift. We're trying to create that competitive advantage for at least one organization. And in those cases, that, that truly is the strategic side of partnering. And then obviously there's everything in between. And so whenever we talk about partnerships, um, we're talking about third party entity partnerships. So it's organization A partnering with organization B and or CDF. And it can be everything from 
not-for-profit to churches to um you know all the way to the to the fortune tens okay so then overall i mean the the main reason that in business that we create partnerships is to well maybe for lack of a better term is to take advantage of the other partner's strengths and sometimes those are things like well access to customers or often your part the partnership itself is the customer so what what are the more common forms that that we see or like what what uh how how do these look coming down the the highway on the way to to my bank account yeah so uh let me let me just kind of paint this picture real quick first and you you definitely hit it there's to kind of simplify what how partnerships play into the strategy there's there's three different lanes or three different ways that we can grow our business organic right we're going to build it ourselves there's acquisition we're going to get out the checkbook and we're going to buy uh resources or we're going to buy a company then the third way is through partnering and that's where we're going to team up and essentially kind of borrow and so in in partnering there's we we say that there's five different types of partnerships the first being like a, an alliance and so that's like a co-marketing co-branding i'm going to set my brand next to yours and it's going to help give each of us access to each other's uh customers and typically that's the lowest level of commitment um the second type of partnership is referral partnership all right so i'm going to find somebody or I'm going to come across somebody that'll be interested in you or potentially interested in your solution. And I'm going to be the matchmaker. I'm going to hand them over to you. Uh, the third type of partnership is a channel partnership, like a, a channel sales partnership, for example. And so in that case, it's, it's a sales partnership, but it's more involved. And so in this case, I'm not only going to find the customer, I'm going to sell them. And then I'm also going to do some level of implementation with them as well, right? So just like we can walk into Best Buy today and we can walk out with a Verizon phone. Well, how does that happen? Well, it's through a channel partnership or channel relationship. The fourth type is a technology or an integrated partnership. And so this is where, this is very common with software companies, for example, but it's kind of the Intel inside. It's where we're putting uh, another company's solution inside of our solution and bundling that then the fifth and final is what we call a resource partnership or a capital partnership. And that's just simply where we leverage a resource from another organization. But instead of the typical, hey, I'll pay you $1,000 a month or a million dollars a month, the, the payment is predicated on the success of the relationship. So, you know, some of the things you talk about, I mean, referral partnerships, uh, that's often just like, hey, I'll refer you some business. It's not always like a contract kind of thing. Now, channel partners are, are interesting and, and tricky relationships to build. Um, and, and uh, you know, I see a crossover. So uh, for those of you that have ever done like a one click install something like that, like those are those are a, that, that's almost like a hybrid mix between technology and channel partnerships. Now, in, in, my, in my basic overview of, uh, I, I have always called those sales channel partners. Uh, the, the big benefit of that stuff is, is a lot of the, uh, the actual person that's the, that's the partner, like wherever you're doing that quote, one-click install, it gives them a, an extra product to sell or they have some kind of, of additional monetization. And then for the, the provider of said whatever, it's an amazing chance to get right in front of the people that you want to get in front of. And, and I think overall, like uh, with, with any of these things, it's, it's about uh, you know, the oftentimes the general public grossly underestimates the overall cost of acquiring a customer or a client. And in some industries, especially software as a service or certain types of tech where they are, and I'm doing air quotes here, where things are sticky, uh, the, the value of the, the lifetime value of these clients is, is really, really high. And, off, and often, uh, you know, the, the cost of acquiring the, the CAC, C-A-C, uh, is, is high. And, you know, so is, is that, are those the main reasons that, are those the most obvious reasons that these, uh, that these type, that those type of relationships develop and bloom? 
Yeah, definitely the um, the referral partnerships and the channel partnerships. Um, those are generally seen as sales types of partnerships. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's it is so difficult, especially as a startup, um, to build a brand. It's so costly to build a brand, and that's you know people buy what they know, like, and trust. Well, it takes money. It takes a lot of time to build that brand so that it is known, it is liked, it is trusted. And so, yeah, we definitely want to be able to leverage the power of brands and leverage the power of, of networks of other folks to speed that, you know, to accelerate that sales process to get us to revenue. So absolutely, lots of partnerships are put in place to help accelerate that. But you, you had mentioned that and sometimes, you know, companies acquire other companies. So I'll give everyone a real a real life example of pursuing this. So, you know, uh, Full Scale, who's the presenter and this episode's powered by Full Scale is the parent company that owns multiple things that my business partner, Matt Watson, and I do, one of which is gigabook.com. Now, at one point, I, I pursued paychecks like the, the payroll company about trying to have a sales channel partnership or possibly even acquiring Gigabook. Why? Because they were already doing business with like, they have like 700,000 small business clients and the ability to reach them. Like, I mean, cause they email them, they contact them, they have sales reps, like theoretically adding a pro adding a booking or a scheduling product on could just be a checkbox somewhere. They already collect money from these people regularly, all that. So in that kind of situation, if only 1% of that entire user base or client base converted into a paying customer, it's significant. You know, like, I mean, that would be hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue, uh, you know, quickly. And, you know, for, for those that haven't built or, or rolled out products, it really is. It does, they don't just line up at the door and beat it down and say, hey, man, I really want to use this. So how can I hurry up and do that faster? So that access to the growth is really important. Now, another thing that I've, I've seen popping up a lot is the resource partnership. And uh, we've even done episodes recently uh, related to some of the things that Launch KC does or different things where you're finding a lot of corporate entities, they want to invest in the, the downstream of technology that fits well with what they do. And, you know, so they, they're putting resources into developing specific things. Um, you know, how are you seeing that evolve for business owners? Yeah, it's been really fascinating. So you have uh, like NBKC, for example, where they have their incubator and they pull in fintech companies uh, with the hopes of, you know, one or two of them will flourish and they will be able to, you know, to have some pull through on that. And so so giving them uh, not only some, some real estate to work with, but also um, a test bed and a lot of different experts, industry experts in the, the financial technology space to help them grow their products out. Um, yeah, it's really been fascinating to, to see more of that. You know, as we think about the different resources that some organizations have, whether it's real estate or it's, um, it's, it's access to knowledge and just some executives with some, some really strong, you know, backgrounds and connections, networks, those are high valued for startups, but really come at a low cost for a lot of companies. And so why not do that? You know, for startups, a lot of times it's not necessarily the, the, the money that they need as much as it is the connections, which brings sales. And so companies- and that, that's, You're exact on that because we've done interview or shows with so many of the people that came through it, more, more launch KC specifically, where that accelerator finds a top level partner and they make a small investment in five or six different companies. And, you know, I've talked to all the founders on or off the show because full scale is also, uh, so we provide, we give them some uh, level of service credit and I ask them all. I said, well, were you after the money or were you after the relationship? And it's 100%. They say the relationship because in those particular- brings those, the money. Such, <laughs> it does, it does. Doesn't it? And, yeah. and here's another, yeah, but it doesn't hurt to even on a small level to have that top level partner that has a vested interest in your success. Um, which is actually one of the reasons that 
some of these uh, that certain partner relationships and channel relationships don't pan out the way that they could or should. Yeah, absolutely, man. You you hit the nail on the head with that one, Matt. And I remember uh, to share a quick story. So it was uh, uh, yeah, it was probably five six years into my career at Sprint and uh, was leading. Um, a very a significant, a high profile uh, project, teaming project. And, you know, yet another reorg came through. And we were always taught and we just philosophically believed that if your partner can't make money, <laughs> there's no such thing as a one-sided partnership. If your partner cannot make money, I promise you that partnership will not work for you. Uh, but this uh, new VP and his infinite wisdom he was all about squeezing every ounce of, of pennies that we could get for the sprint side. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, that there, there wasn't enough money to go around. And just because we were, quote unquote, so good at putting these deals in place, it ended up being the demise of a couple different products because you know, your partners, you got to, you have to ensure their existence and their welfare as well. And that is that is definitely one solid takeaway that I want to impress upon people is as you're setting up partnerships, that is definitely one of one of the to do's, one of the must haves. Yeah, and I want to get a little deeper into that because because, you know, here you are, <clears throat> you're an early stage company and all of a sudden you're you see this big company and they have an interest in being a channel partner, or doing something with you and it feels huge. And the thing is, is the, and it can very easily now, maybe that it's possible. It could be your big break. And then oftentimes it's not. And, you know, Matt Watson on several shows with me, we've talked about that because, and I don't know the company, but, you know, Matt was the founder of Venn Solutions, which saw a huge exit in 2012. And early in their life cycle, they had the opportunity to partner with a, just a, air quotes again here, big company. And it didn't turn out being what they wanted it to be. And I, I've been down the same road. I, I ran into that with Gigabook early a couple of times where we, you, you know, you have limited bandwidth and resources, especially in the early stages. And if you shift everything to focus on, you know, these, the, the, a channel or a technology partnership is not just as easy as like going, okay, cool, let's do it. I mean, in many situations, it involves integration of things and you got to build stuff in, there's a lot of paperwork. And then the reason that, you know, that I've kind of realized that, that, that sometimes uh, the partnernomics don't work out is, well, keep in mind, whoever you're partnering with, your business is not what they do full time. So exactly they're not, it. they're not necessarily focused on making your life awesome. You're just like this little, you're like a, just a passenger on so much of that. So, you know, I think a lot of people get into these partner relationships and think it's going to change everything. And I mean, they do end up disappointed. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue them. You absolutely should, but you do, I, I do think, it's important that you try to gauge your opportunity cost, meaning the value of whatever it is that you're choosing not to do to focus on that. Cause I mean, do, do you find that a lot of people tell you the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you, you're talking about just because, uh, you know, you get a, a deal with a, a whomever, um, a Microsoft, a, a Google, a, a whoever, whatever space you're in, just because they are strategic to you doesn't mean you are strategic to them. And as a matter of fact, you're probably not. That's where the word vendor comes in. They just typically will see you as another vendor. Um, I'd love to give out a, a plug here for my buddy, Bernie Brenner. So Bernie is one of the founders of True Car, right? The way car buying should be. It grew into a multi-million dollar, excuse me, multi-billion dollar company. Um, but he wrote a book called The Sumo Advantage. And so if you're a small company, a relatively small company, and you're wanting to partner with a sumo, you're wanting to partner with a big company, his book is, is full of some solid insights as to how you do that. And the thing that you don't want to do is sell your soul. <laughs> you want to make sure right. and go into right. it absolutely smart and absolutely wide, you know, eyes wide open and just know that <clears throat> they are playing a different game than what you are playing. You actually have a really good point. And that's, that's like kind of an ancillary piece of, of the, 
you know, what, what I was saying. And, and so sometimes things do go well. And I I've had conversations with multiple people that, well, uh, they didn't really think it out. And now all of a sudden they've got this huge flood of business that's coming in often at a pretty steep discount and it sucks up the ability to deal with and handle other things. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you talk about, um, yeah, we're going to drop the price and then make it up on, you know, on volume. But if you're doing five times the work and getting one fifth the revenue, it, uh, it gets exhausting really, really quickly. Um, but I can also say, you know, even the flip side, whenever I was at Sprint, um, we killed a lot of companies. And what do I mean by that? Uh, we, we had partners, we had companies that came in and provided solutions to us. And then we in turn packaged those up and sold them out to our tens of millions of subscribers. And frankly, it was too much work. Um, the, the elephant was too big to eat and the company just simply couldn't keep up. Um, so you definitely have to go into partnerships with large companies, you know, this topic You've got to go into it with with eyes wide open and make sure, as as attractive as it seems, make sure that you set up the the financials so that they will work, that they truly will work. Don't give up the farm. What other advice do you have when it comes to looking out for like you know just you know like I said, these things can go really well and they really can't. Now, the, the, like the term partnernomics, the, as far as the economics of, of partnership. Uh, it's, it, well, there's the thing is, it's, it's difficult to view it with a crystal ball. Like one of the things that I ran into early trying to create channel partnerships was, you know, we here, we were like a company of four people and you look at this big, this big, you know, big companies, they don't want to embarrass themselves. They don't want you to a fail financially. So you talk about the finances, it goes well past the economics of revenue. It's also like, are you, are you going to be around? And then another thing is the support. You know, like, and it's difficult to, to, uh, so we'll just say Acme Corp. So we don't have to quote businesses in, in a poor context like Google or whoever, but cause you know, they do good business, but at Acme Corp, they, they, you know, they might be, they're sitting there going, well, if we push 10,000 users, how's this four person company going to scale to a point or be able to handle any of this, or are they even going to be there? So, you know, what are some of the other, what are some of the other things to look out for or consider that, that are painfully obvious, but maybe not? Yeah. Some of the key things is, you know, some people talk about when is the right time to use a partnership? And I think it's the wrong way to ask the question. The, the real question <clears throat> is, what is your business? What is your business model? What is your plan? What are you trying to accomplish and as you think about how you are going to grow your business, you have three different levers to pull and they're not uh, mutually exclusive, right? You can pull multiple levers, but it's, it's organic. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to build it ourselves. It's acquisition. We're going to get out the checkbook. And obviously that's challenging for, for a lot of small companies or the third way is partnering, or we're going to do a combination of those. And so partnering just becomes, and it should be a very intentional tool but it's done because it's just the most efficient route to get whatever it is that, that you want to accomplish. And so that's really where it starts. So if and when we decide to go down this partnering route, what is step one? Well, step one is getting really clear on what your partnering plan is. And so, you know, don't don't let your business run you. You have to run your business and you have to have a very specific plan. And so that's a part of what partneronomics is. It's a full framework of how to do this partnering thing, right? It's the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. So it starts off by having a very specific plan. So internal to your company and all of those stakeholders, you know exactly what the initiative is, who the players are, and how you're defining success, what those goals are. Um, another thing that I, will, that I will share is so many people whenever they look at a failed partnership, they, they start their analysis by looking at, okay, here's the date the deal was signed. Now, what happened after that to make the deal fall apart or not work? When the fact of the matter is, it could have been predicted far before the deal was ever signed. One of the core mistakes made by a lot of folks is not looking at alignment. Um, not doing the, the courting or dating phase 
and we just immediately go to marriage. And that's really what we try to impress upon people and also give them a framework of how does that evaluation look like? How do we, how do we vet and evaluate and perform due diligence with partners so that we're truly maximizing our opportunity for success? What kind of advice do you have for doing that properly? Um, so, well, it starts with truly understanding what is the purpose, the vision, the mission of your organization. What are you trying to accomplish and what does the next five to 10 years look like for you? And then whoever you're seeking to partner with, we call them partner candidates, but whoever the candidates are that you may partner with, you have to make sure that their own mission, vision, their purpose, the direction that they're going, they have to have intersections. They have to be congruent. They have to be complementary. Um, we, we share the word picture of if we're in Los Angeles and we're partnering up and one of us wants to go to New York and the other one wants to go to Florida, somewhere by the time we hit the Midwest, at least one of us is going to be mad because we're, we're not heading in the direction that we want. And so you have to ensure on the very front end, right? It starts with having term sheets and very explicit term sheets. We have an eight component term sheet that talks about what is our culture? What is the language that we use and speak with? What are the goals that we have for this relationship? What do the economics look like? Is there intellectual property that's going to be uh, born or potentially born out of this relationship? Who owns it? Who gets licensing? Right? You have to put all of these questions on the table on the front end and address them on the front end as opposed to doing it downstream after you know, you're already married and, and going down this route with each other because that's, that's when things can get contentious. Yeah, you know, some of that, you know, there's a lot of different things that can come up and there, you know, some of these things that feel inherently negative or like they're working against you can sometimes be swung in your favor in an early stage business. I've actually, uh, you know, been, been had discussions with people that, all right, so go to, the, you have a bigger company that wants to do business with your smaller company. They're concerned about your resource capacity. And, but they're a believer enough in what you're doing that they'll make a significant prepayment or something like that just to therefore guarantee that you do, in fact, have the resources or ability to grow, which is, in a, which is like a double tap in the plus column when it comes to getting funded. A, you may get the, the investment capital that you need or looking for. And you then have a powerful partner as well. Now that requires a little more, you know, legwork and stuff like that. Um, but you know, and, but that's also, in my opinion, a pretty healthy signal that who you're partnered with has a vested interest, or they they, they they they're planning on doing something with it. Now, on the flip side of that, there's some things that you can open up, and you know, there's 300 things in there, and I think those are the ones you look out for a little more because you're just you're just a you know, you're just a, a different, well, you use the term vendor. You're just another booth in the marketplace at that point, And you're not necessarily standing out. How, how important do you think it is to look at or get into how many different uh, vendors, vendor slash partners, your future partner has? Yeah, it's, it's vitally important. Um, obviously the, the fewer choices, your quote unquote air quotes, uh, your partner has, you know, the, the more strategic you become. If you're one of 10, if you're one of 50, we call those a commodity. And yeah. we're going to throw 50 hooks out in the water and whichever three or four grab a fish, those are the ones that we're going to run with. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's how companies will play that, will play that, uh, the numbers game. But it, it all just comes down to your solution you know, whatever that may be and how unique it is, your value proposition, all of those great things, you know, that, that we know about in business. But we want to, our objective should be to, to be highly strategic to our partners. The more strategic we are, the more value that we bring, um, which gives us power. And, and that's obviously very critical. But, but Matt, you bring up a great point that I love, and that is, you know, whenever you look at the, the fastest growing top 20, top 50 companies over the last decade, 
I mean, how many of those companies were born out of a Fortune 500? Basically zero of them. Um, small companies, these, these small innovative startups, they are absolutely needed. It's vital for them. Um, you know, they are vital to the growth of larger organizations. I mean, I think today, now more than ever, small companies have opportunities to partner with large companies and be wildly successful. I had a chance to do a workshop at Andreessen Horowitz, right? A16Z, one of the top venture capital firms on the planet. And um, it was really interesting just to learn from those 70 companies that were represented there as to what their solutions are and how many of them are getting some great airtime from, you know, from large, large brands now. But it's just because they're so innovative. Yeah, so I think, you know, here we are 30 minutes into this conversation. And and I'm going to be honest, we haven't even talked about the hardest part about any any of this yet, which is actually finding the partner. Um, so, you know, we went through a lot of do's and don'ts and, and things that can be great and things that are not and things to look out for. Um, but the, the reality is, in many cases, these relationships are very difficult to, to find. Um, like, I actually know people that specialize in just this, like consultants that come in and, and help you, well, either they have connections already or they help you create the strategy, the plan, you know, some of that is kind of, kind of what you do on many levels as well, because these are, these are non-standard relationships. And the thing is, 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 uh, you know, well, another thing too, is you can, you can spend a lot of time trying to establish nurture and create these relationships. Like they don't usually happen very quickly. So, I mean, let's kind of take that back to square one. Like how do you go about even finding possible, uh, you know, partners uh, on, I mean, I think referral partners is pretty easy because that exists on so many different levels, um, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of a word of mouth thing on a lot of days, like your own clients and users and customers can often be your referral partners in that regard. Like at full scale, we actually incentivize our existing clients. We'll give them a, a $2,000 invoice credit. If they ref- refer someone half the time, they don't even care. They just like, they're just happy to like to help, help, help someone else solve a problem. So, uh, but with channel technology and resource partners, the level of complexity, especially when they, when they get intermingled, uh, the, the difficulty level uh, increases sharply. So how do you go about finding them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so as you had mentioned in partnerships, you have this continuum and on one side, you might have referral partnerships where it's just spray and pray. And if, if they give us results, awesome. On the other end of the spectrum, we truly have some strategic partners where if they fail, it means we're failing. And so we have to make sure that that we are successful. Um, If you're doing it right, you are spending a pretty significant amount of time on the front end uh, doing this searching, doing the vetting, doing the evaluation. But uh, we have some different tools that we've developed that is essentially like a a match.com or eHarmony.com, if you will. And it kind of walks people through a process to evaluate the fit. Um, and again, it's the, the damage that's done by bypassing or accelerating through this process and just saying, hey, company X has this, this strong brand in a certain space that we want in banking, for example. So we've got to have a partnership with X. Well, that's a very dangerous approach because a lot of what determines success is really culture. And it's how well we get along and how well we complement each other's strategy of where we're trying to take our businesses. And um, we need to spend that time on the front end. You know, successful partnerships are really built on the front end, which is like a one of my buddies that does a lot of uh, real estate investment. He said, Mark, we make money whenever we buy the house, not when we sell it. We make it whenever we buy it right, just because we know what we're getting and it has value in it from the beginning. Same is true with partnerships. You make your money on the front end by getting alignment. 
Yeah, they say the same thing about hiring. Like you basically want to, when you hire employees, like you win or lose, like they're at the point of hire. Because if you do it poorly and you don't know what you're looking for, whatever. Now you mentioned we, and you said we have some tools. Let's talk about that for a second. Because you offer partnering courses, personalized coaching, and you also have a weekly partnernomics podcast. Uh, let's let's uh, You want to let everyone know like what kind of help you offer in case that's something they want to reach out about? Sure. Yeah. Partnernomics. Uh, I mean, essentially our business, I, I, I say that our, our building has two different wings. <laughs> One wing of it is uh, a learning management system. So we literally have clients from all over the world. Um, I was on a, a Zoom call with a client a couple of days ago from Ukraine. And so we have different, we have three different courses, um, each course being six weeks long that people can come onto our platform and, and take it as a do-it-yourselfer approach or we will coach them through um, those, those courses to help them implement the methodology within their business. And then the second wing of our organization is an online community of, of partnering professionals and of business growth professionals. And so it's essentially like a, the, the LinkedIn for strategic partnering, if you will. So folks can come on actually for free and create an account, uh, jump into some different forums, some groups, uh, create or you know jump into some different chats, some different discussions, and talk about challenges or opportunities they have. Negotiating deals. How do I evaluate a good partner? I'm wanting to do a technology partnership. Those sorts of things. They can have an opportunity to jump in and have those conversations. Yeah, and this is this is uh, you know a field of expertise that I highly recommend that if you, if you want to seek this stuff, and you know I mentioned uh, knowing a few people that do stuff like this because I went out to seek experts um, because you know it's you, you, and I want to get back into the finding partners because you know here I am. This is probably three years ago at this point, and I'm out there looking for stuff. Now some of the stuff, the sophistication and ease of access has grown up a little bit three years ago and three years ago doesn't sound like a long time ago but the way that technology especially the software as a service industry has continued to grow and progress three years is a lifetime and oh, amazing you know so you start you start so you sit down as a software company you start to look out and you're like well who could i partner with you realize pretty quickly it's a it's a monster list and you know i mean because it's i mean in so many you know i mentioned you know like you know, chasing paychecks, the, the payroll company. Well, here's the thing. There's literally like, they're not the only payroll company. There's like hundreds of them, you know, and then you have, you know, just, I mean, it just really, it becomes overwhelming in a hurry. And that's back to that early stage company issue of limited resources. Where do we put our bandwidth? Where do we put our efforts? And, you know, like, I mean, I chased, I, I went down the rabbit hole a couple of times uh, where I shouldn't have gone and, you know, just, shit didn't pan out. Uh, some of it was because we didn't know what we we're doing. Some of it because they weren't the right partners. And I had to learn a few things along the way. Um, because there are people out there that'll kind of tease you along and they have a different agenda than actual partnership. Like they might be trying to answer different questions, you know, about what the effectiveness is of this or that or whatever. And, you know, you end up sucking up a lot of time, effort and energy or, or, uh, the timeline of it, it just takes forever to develop. It's like, imagine sports. If, you know, we're Chiefs fans here in Kansas City, if it took Patrick Mahomes 90 seconds to throw a pass, you'd be like, oh my God, what's going on here? Well, if it takes months or like a year to develop, like, I mean, that's a lot of time, effort and energy. That isn't exactly like a, a fast moving thing. So, um, you know, and with that, like, what are a couple, I, I love talking about the don'ts of this. Like what are a couple of things that you, that we would, or anyone could hear from a potential partner that should be a red flag? Yeah. So Matt, you, you brought up a great point and uh, I'll just quote uh, one of my buddies and now a uh, mentor, business mentor, Kyle Malott. So Kyle was the COO of DST uh, systems, uh, the financial side of their business. And uh, he's been an awesome mentor of mine. But uh, he, he's gone through all of our content. As a matter of fact, he's one of our coaches. And he said, you know, one of the greatest things that he sees out of the partnernomics methodology is the speed to get to know. You know, so it's not just about how can we get to yes, right? That, that's what sales is about. How do we get to yes? But in partnering, 
you've got to accelerate the speed to a decision and basically expect to get to a no most of the time. You should get to no most of the time just because the importance of the fit is is so crucial. That's what it's all about. And so, you know, it's it's about spending the time and investing the time, but there's there's a lot of tools that can be used. Like I mentioned a term sheet on the front end. I mean, how do you have very candid and direct conversations of what you want, what you expect out of relationship and what you are willing to offer as value to that partner? And how can you quickly get to the ground floor of uncovering what that is? And really, it's, it's great communication skills. It's asking the right questions and just setting stuff on the table. You know, a lot of times whenever we're doing this business partnership things, we, we can be a little coy and be a little reserved. I and mean, if you just think about negotiating uh, different contracts or negotiating terms, we tend to, to kind of hoard things and hide them under our shirt when, in fact, we should basically be the opposite. We should set things out on the table. Here's what I want. Here's what I expect. Here's what I need. Here's what I can offer. And you lay it out there and help your counterpart, help your, what we call a partner candidate, help the candidate see the value and, and help them share, articulate what the value is that they can provide to you. That's one of the biggest things that I see that falls apart is people cannot effectively articulate the value propositions. Yeah, so uh, I, I offer advice on that regularly because people have a tendency to focus on features and people don't buy features, they buy benefits. They buy the benefits of what the features do. Features, advantages, and then benefits. So if you find yourself talking about features and features of a partnership deal are like, hey, we can do this, we can do that. Who cares? We get it. That should be easily explained. It's on the homepage of your website, you know, and like, you know, so, but, but the thing is, is in, but basically what, what Mark's alluding to here as well is, you know, like if there's certain things that you require, need, or have to have and a part of a deal, uh, get them out there. Cause if you mess, if you waste a whole bunch of time, effort, energy, emotion, all of that on there certain, and, and there are certain deal breakers that are going to kill things like get them out there. Um, now, as I have grown and evolved as a business person and an entrepreneur, I have become painfully transparent. Like you talk about the benefits, like, I mean, because the, the people that I'm out there wanting to do business with partner with or any of that, well, they're sophisticated. They're going to figure out anyway. So like I have this, like I'm really in the advice that offer, like, especially people that are pitching for business or investment or whatever, trying to get into like tech stars or something I'm like you're dealing with a high class of person here that has been down this road many times. So just tell them like the, here, here's, here's the good, here's the bad. This is where we're at. This is what I need. This is what I hope to achieve. And, and like you said, the faster you, so you, there's that buzz term fail fast that was floating around the Valley and other places. The reason that you want to fail fast is because you get to say next and move on to the next thing that you might not fail at. Like if you spend forever failing every single time, like you're going to be wrapped up in that process a lot. So the faster you get to know, uh, you know, I, there's only two four letter words that I care about when it comes to sales. And one of them does not start with an F uh, it's sold and next, you know, so like, you know, you're either selling something or the word next to move along. And, you know, there's levels of, if you, you talk about communication, well, good communication in these regards is like uh, our salespeople or business people in general begin to, to sense friction or not. You know, like, and, and those, you know, we talked about red flags. Like that's one of the things, like if, you, if the person that if the, the entity you want to partner with is a pain in the ass before the agreement, you should not expect anything other than that after there's no reason to believe it would probably get worse. And, Absolutely. you know, so the, you know, those are, those are some different things. And like, so, I mean, really in the end, like, and, and, you know, Mark's right. And, and it's, uh, saying get to know quickly because when you get out there and you look at all the number of partnerships if you don't get to know quickly you're not going to get very far down that down the road yeah time so, is I mean, not your friend, of, right <laughs> yeah yeah time so that rapid friend. that rapid that rapid fire approach though 
And, you know, and here's the thing is like, if people are slow getting back to you, like all of that, like, it, I mean, it, you, we talked, you use the term dating uh, when it comes to this. Well, it's the same thing. That's why you date people before you marry them. Cause you want to know if they're batshit crazy or if there's something else or whatever. And you shouldn't like, I mean, I don't know. I know people that, that got married. I'm like, what did you expect to change? You know, like, you know, you, and, and so with that, much like a marriage, a partnership is often difficult to annul. Uh, if, you know, and I always say it's like, it's easier to get rid, it is literally easier to get rid of your spouse than it is to get rid of your business partner. Like, I mean, it is. It is really? like it can it can occur faster with less less everything. So you know, much like choosing a business partner, choose like examine that with partner nominate. So we're we're about at the end of this episode here, and I, and, and you know, I end my episodes with with the founders freestyle. Now, before we get into that, today's episode was brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Kind of link in the show notes. You can also find the link to Partnernomics. Uh, Mark's written books, given speeches. He does a lot of different stuff. Yeah, he does a lot of things, uh, you know, through his site, has his own podcasts. Um, you know, he's got a lot of information to offer uh, related to this. And these are, once again, uh, uh, this is a, a course that many of us have not charted and sailed uh, effectively because it's not it's not it, it's a little more evolved when it comes to business building now with that uh it, in conclusion here what's the, some of the best advice that you could give to startup founders when it comes to all this i know that's a broad loaded question but you know what's it what's a quick you know three pack of anything that are kind of your cardinal rules yeah so you know, I, I love what what you're saying matt about you know going after the paychecks company it's just like in dating, you, you want the chick or the guy to dig you. And whenever you're forming partnerships, the more strategic they are to you, the more strategic, you know, you could be to them. I mean, if you are truly strategic to each other, that's going to significantly improve the likelihood of success. But at the end of the day, you know, companies don't do business with companies. People do business with people. And so it all comes down to people. It all comes down to relationships. Um, you know, we have something that uh, we've created called the Partnership Success Pyramid. It's the five imperatives for partnership success. Well, what is that? First, the foundational piece is trust. You've got to build trust or you have nothing else. Figure out how to build trust. Second is alignment. Um, you have to have an alignment of, you know, what, what are you looking to achieve? What are you looking to accomplish? And how do you do that together? Third is transparency, clear, honest, and timely communications. And all of these go back to continue to build trust. Uh, the fourth is what we call esprit de corps. And so what is esprit de corps? It's the highest level of commitment that there is. And so it has to be a high level of commitment, especially if it's a truly a strategic partnership. That means that it includes innovation. You're trying to create this paradigm shift. You're trying to achieve that exponential growth. No one else has done it before. It's going to be a pain in the ass. You're going to get punched in the mouth. If you're willing to turn around and walk away the first time that something gets tough, don't ever get started because that's what the world of strategic partnering is all about. And then the fifth and final imperative is results. <laughs> you got to kick ass. You got to get the results for both parties. And one of the things that, that the, from a mindset, from an approach <clears throat> perspective that's done wrong is we go into it saying, me, me, me. Here's what I want. This is what I need. Give me what I need. And oh, by the way, if you happen to get what you need along the way, awesome. That's the wrong approach. We need to be equally concerned about our partner's needs. And it is your obligation as a partner. It is your obligation to provide that value for that partner. Once again, with me today is Mark Brigman. Mark's the CEO of Partnernomics and author, speaker, subject matter expert on the topic. Now, I'm going to close down by get. I didn't. So I did pursue paychecks. I couldn't even get. I didn't even like that. Didn't even go anywhere. You know, like I mean, and that's one of the things that's a challenge. We talk. The bigger the company, the harder it is to find a decision maker. And. Uh, you know, people that are employees and companies don't give a shit the same way that principals or owners do. So like, I mean, it's, that's part of the challenge. You look at some of these big companies that look like amazing partners on the outside looking in 
And then the thing is, is, you know, like, like I said, the, you know, when you're dealing with an employee of another company and not a principal or an owner or someone that has a vested interest in the success that let's just be, I'm a realist. So like, that's just one more thing for that person. To you're do. just another project. Is, <laughs> it, it, is the, and, and, the, and the last thing that most people that are employees want is one more thing to do. So, you know, like, and that, but that makes it challenging. So you got to, you know, it's swimming upstream and finding that. So, you know, one of the things that I, I think that, that the bigger the company, the, well, the longer it's going to take you to develop a partnership, the less likelihood, the less the likelihood that you'll be successful. So, you know, try a few on for size, find some smaller folks. It's real. So I, there's this sweet spot that businesses, you know, a lot of you talk about how the, the mega company needs the startup because startups are nimble. They are agile. Like a big company is like when they want to do anything, it's the equivalent of like trying to turn a battleship around inside a swimming pool. It just doesn't happen quickly. And they, that they're not nimble now still in the battleship reference. The startup is that little two, that little two peg boat that could be anywhere on the board. That's really hard to hit because it can navigate and move and it's easier to, to get around. And, you know, that's also why the Navy has it because one's big and powerful and boom, like the earth shakes when it fires, the other one's out doing a whole lot of different stuff. It has the ability to do things. So, you know, cut your teeth with look at now people in that mid-level range, they are easy to get a hold of. A lot of startups are still big, but if you, and, and, and look, look for people, look for companies and businesses that are on the upswing because once they are big, they got other shit going on. And like, that's not the greatest thing. It's like, I'll give you an example at, at full scale where, where we provide tech services uh if okay so if i look at anything that talks about who just cashed a big funding round check if i try to call those people the day that article come out no one the phone's just ringing off the hook for a hundred different reasons i gotta get to them like two months before that and and so you know that's that's where you plant your flag and that growth can occur so sometimes you know some of the easiest to form the most flexible and the most beneficial relationships can happen in that that early you know when you know that when the puppy dog years you know rather than you know that's another thing too is that you, know, you use the puppy dog reference well as an old dog lays around it doesn't hunt our fat dogs don't hunt either, you know, and enough hunting references, but, but there, but it's a good point because some businesses also, as they evolve or grow, they don't care as much about the partnerships. They can, you know, it's easy to slide into a comfort zone. And that, that is, in my opinion, aren't the great partnerships because you're going to find something going to work as hard for you. Now, one thing I do know is that you won't make any partnerships if you don't go out and try. Uh, occasionally they come find you, but you know, the, the, be the hunter, not the prey, get out there and look, uh, contact someone like Mark. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, I mean, there are now some things that are easily, more easily accessible are also really populated. So you're like one of like 500 things in there, temper your expectations around that. But overall done well and done correctly, you can, you know, put multiples onto your revenue pretty quickly and build a level of street cred for other future partnerships. You can parlay these into a lot of different things, but once again, just do it. Take the Nike reference and just do it when it comes to looking for partners. Speaking of which, now I'm all fired up. I'm going to go find some of my own. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know how that, I'll see, I'll, I'll have you back and we'll discuss that, how that went for me uh, uh, in another episode, Mark. Is that yeah, sound good? You, man. That sounds great. All right, man. I'll, I'll catch up with you next time. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.